0: Good morning, church. Good morning. You know, uh, I'm being known for uh, even during my days uh, in uni. Uh, I'm always the last one that pass out the assignment. You know, I go to uh, night evening evening school after work, and on the day when the assignment is due, I'm not at work. I'm not in lecture and I turn up at 9.30 in the evening at the end of a class just to hand out my assignment. And the reason is that I research too much. You know how people get research? I get research too much. And I keep doing the research but not the work. So hopefully this is not the case this evening. So even as we continue the series of growing the church, today we are talking about telling the truth or speaking the truth in love. Can we just ask God's leading? Holy Spirit, be you our teacher and our guide as we look to your word. Heavenly Father, we've got to handle your, your truth, Lord, with trembling and fear. We just pray the Lord as we look at your word. Your spirit will speak to each one of us. And Lord, just use me as a channel and, uh, and, 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 and bless each one of us here. In your own precious name, we pray. It's interesting to look at this. Uh, speaking the truth in love. I look at the concordance and there was one particular verse that have it, who knows where it is. If you have seen chapter four, you just read it. Speaking the truth in love. So I said great. You know something? When I start jumping into that verse, I suddenly realize that it is like peeling an onion or an orange. You know how you peel? You actually got to start in order to understand and understand the significance of this speaking the truth in love, you actually got to start peeling and looking at the context. And you know something? It means that you could look at the whole passage from verse one to verse sixteen. And as you begin to peel through, you know the context and where this passage see then you begin to understand what does that you know, the speaking of the truth means in the context of us. This passage is very relevant because Paul is actually addressing uh, the, you know, the Christian in Ephesus. And he was addressing them and encouraging them to grow as a church, to grow as a body, to grow as an individual. And one of the emphasis is that we have to speak the truth in love. And this is quite appropriate for us because this is what we are considering, isn't it? How, how, how do we mutually encourage that we will grow as individual in Christ as we grow as a church? And this passage really fit in all the criteria. So let us start the adventure of peeling. And I did a lot of peeling and... Uh, it went forever. In fact, uh, about ten minutes ago, Marie asked me, "Are you ready?" You know, I'm never ready. <laughs> we shouldn't be ready because we should allow God to continue to speak to us. People say, "Is there a perfect message? Is there a well-prepared message?" You ask me, none, because I'm still learning. I'm still opening my mind to what god wants to speak to me and i'm still shaking because that's the way that we should approach the word of god so let's start the peeling the peeling start with verse 1 to 6. here paul challenges the believers to walk in the manner worthy of your calling god calls us to be reconciled with him god called us to be what separated for him God called us to be Christ-likeness. God calls us to be holy as He is holy. Paul says we've got to walk worthy of that calling. And then he went on to actually describe how we should be doing that, Now, particularly in the context of the church. How should we be walking worthy of the calling in relation to each other in the body? By the way, the body here is the church, the body. He set up a couple of things. He said this should be it. In the manner, in the way that we conduct ourselves to each other, we should be humble, we should be gentle, we should be patient, we should be bearing one another in love, and most eagerly, we should keep the unity of the Spirit by keeping the bond of peace. Then he reminded the efficient Christian that by Christ's death, both the Jews and the Gentiles are reconciled and brought together as one. Means what? As one having equal access to God. In what? In that you can call God the Father, but more importantly, in the, you know uh, in the Ephesians chapter two verse eighteen it says the Gentiles and, and, and Jewish believers are built are being built together in becoming a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. He then described oneness in Christ as there is one body and one Spirit, called to be one hope, one Lord, one faith one baptism, one, one God and Father of all. Then Paul then moved on to the next stage and call attention to the building of this body of Christ, the Church. Can we just read again the verse 11 to 16, just to you know try to capture the thought? So he says, To some it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelistic, evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for the work of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Built up when? Until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become matured, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What a mouthful, isn't it? What a mouthful. But how rich it is as we look into it. There we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blow here and there, by the every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, speaking the truth in love, we all will in all things grow, let me get it right, up into him, Christ, who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting element grow and build yourself up in love as each part does the work the building of the members the church is a sum total of the building of the individual member common sense isn't it if we are not growing and we are not built up in christ the church will never be because we are the sum total of the church. There are three areas that Paul particularly points out in terms of the building of us and the building of the church. The first area is reaching the unity of the faith. The faith here refers to the faith that we exercise to obtain salvation. It is the faith that was referred, in fact quoted by Eric from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is through faith that saves us. It is through faith, sorry, by grace and through faith, you know, that we come to know and receive the Lord and we receive salvation. It is our confession and our declaration and our belief that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, on the third day he rose again, and now he's sitting on the right hand of God interceding for us. It is our belief that when we confess our sin to Jesus, He will forgive us our sin, and He will grant us and receive us as the children of God. Reaching the unity of faith means we all have the same belief. We all subscribe to what is stated in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith alone, and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by good works, so that no one can boast. Do we have the common belief in faith, in receiving Jesus? as the only way and no other way. Secondly, in the knowledge of the Son of God. If you read the verse, the connection is really, all ministry and services, so it's the building of the church so that you can equip them the building of this ministry, okay, is really so that we can get to know Jesus better. Think about it, okay. All the various ministry that we do, what is our main focus? Great that we reach out to people. Great that we, you know, do good and show the good work. But is there a component where in engaging in the ministry, in providing the ministry that people get to know Jesus better. Let me give you a good example. You know hospitality. Hospitality, those of us okay, the Foreign Affairs actually run a scheme, uh, called, call. Actually, he really he invite people to open up their family to provide you know accommodation to you know a, a refugee who recently migrated. You know. Into australia while they wait for permanent settlement into home into job into training they need a place for them to feel safe and stay and learn a little bit about the way of life of australian i was very excited by the thought of it what a great way to show hospitality and to demonstrate you know god's love isn't it aha the other side says man You have these guys coming from very strange places, these guys that you don't know, you don't know what they will do when they come into your house, what is the interruption to your comfort zone and my family life, as a result of which, I didn't take up the offer or even think about it. What a chance that I missed. I would have asked, what would Jesus do in those situations? What does Jesus do to people who are vulnerable and marginalized? Jesus will happily take them in. I didn't. What opportunity means to know about Jesus? What opportunity to know Him better? so one bible commentator actually proposes he says that truth are revealed in jesus life for us in the gospel truth is revealed in jesus life for us in the gospel the words which is the teaching and the conversation and the deed of jesus are the outcome and expression of his character and nature jesus says i'm the way the truth jesus is the source of all truth simple equation if we know about jesus we will know god's truth every action and word that is spoken by him and done by him through his life recorded for us in the gospel Tell us about God's truth, about what He wants for us. That's what Jesus says. I'm the truth. And how can we not know about Jesus? You know, knowing about Jesus have different level, right? Basically, all of us, generally, we have a head knowledge about Jesus. You know what happened? It always remained down here. It gone nowhere else. It always is here. The second component of knowing Jesus is that it is the feeling part of Jesus. You know, we talk about we, want to ent- we are entering into a relationship with Jesus. That we have a relationship with him. Hello? What do you mean? I have 40 years of relationship with Marie. First thing, I know her every move. So that even before she reacts, I proactively respond so it calms the storm. <laughs> that is in the head. I know her, I know what she will do. And I react. Of course she knows me, and she knows that I'm trying to, you know, pull wool over her eyes. <laughs> and try to get away. Like not doing the task. But anyway, so but the other part component is the feeling. Am I sensitive to how she's feeling? To my reaction. To my being uh, not listening to her to the herd that is the part of knowing Jesus when we say we know Jesus do we really know how Jesus feel as we read through the gospel let me challenge you you know Jesus looked at the people what do Jesus see they are sheep without a shepherd, how does Jesus feel? Compassionate on them. Do we feel the same level of Jesus? Occasionally, we look at our non-Christian friend and we say, they are really lost. But in often time, they are not seen their way. But most of all, oftentimes we are not moved to do anything. You know what's it's lacking? It's that feeling of knowing Jesus, how he feels and how he sees things. You know, my friend, it is not what we know, he has to move down to our hearts. The heart and the emotion is the thing that move us to action. How much do we know Jesus? Hey, by the way, can you remember in the 1990s? Hey, by the way, those of us who are old enough, 1990, there's a movement called what? WWJD. Do you know WWJD? I don't know. I was wearing banners, t-shirts, bangles. What would Jesus do? By the way, if you are older than that, I don't blame you because this is basically a, a movement that is based on the book In His Step written by, by the way, this book is written by 1896. Okay? Basically, what it means is really aimed towards the young people trying to think about every situation they, they, they face is to make them aware of what will Jesus do in that situation. It's a way to encourage them to know Jesus and know how to appropriately react to this and do so that they would you know glorify and point people to jesus maybe we need the ww jd in our lives but probably beyond that the feeling of jesus the third area is around the area of being matured that is in Alright, it says mature, mature, mature. Where is the matured? It says becoming matured, attaining. Oh, there's a mouthful one I'm talking about. Attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Ma'am, there's a mouthful. Let's unpack it. The simple way to understand the whole thing is actually quoted in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? to conform to the nightness of his son." In other words, to be matured and the big mouthful of the measure of the fullness of Christ is that we grow to be more and more like Jesus and eventually conform to his total image. You know the song, May the mind of my Saviour, can you remember the song? man? Written by 1913 and still so valid. Let me just read it to you. It totally expressed this theme around conformity to Christ. It says, let the mind of Christ, my Saviour, live in me day to day. The mind of Jesus. Let the love and power of Christ controlling all I do and say. The love and the power of Christ. The word of Christ dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour. The words and the teaching of the Lord Jesus. The peace of my Christ rule my life in everything. In bad time and in, and in trying time in particularly. The love of Christ fill me as the water fill the sea. I like the last sentence. Anybody can remember the last sentence? Iron. The beauty rests upon me as I seek the lost to win, that they may forget the channel, see only him. That is the fullness, the measure of the fullness of Christ. When the beauty of Jesus is reflected in my life, in the way I talk, in the way I do things, in the way I think, in the way I feel, in the way I relate to people. Isn't that beautiful that the beauty of Christ can be seen in us? You know something? It's good to have daughters, for a couple of reasons. Okay, Daughters, especially when you have a beautiful one, okay? I mean, not, not be discriminatory, but just to illustrate it, the beautiful one, okay? When you look at a, a, a daughter who is beautiful, then they say, oh, they're so much like their mother. <laughs> that I really don't mind. But it's great when people say, look at serene. The quality and the character and the love and the care and the outreaching of, out of her. There's so much reflective of Ben. <laughs> I got to find out who is this Ben. I got to find out who is this Marie. It's a kind of very simplistic way of looking at the whole thing, but exactly what it means. We talk about it. we so like Jesus. We're so doing things like Jesus that people say, man, I want to find out who this guy is. By the way, you know, uh, those of us who watch, have you seen this thing Harry meets uh, Sally? Sorry, I'm sorry, I mean, look here. This is a very funny thing, but I think it just illustrates that. It's like, uh, you know, you remember they were, they were talking in the thing and, they were, and she was trying to fake an orgasm? And then the guy said, hey, I want what she got. You may look at it and think it's funny, but it is that beauty and the unbelievability that is reflected in our action, in the way we behave. That people say, hey, I want what she's having. I want the Jesus and taste him. Becoming matured in Christ Paul then go on to talk about I like the contrast. Mature in Christ. You are mature in Christ. You are growing to confirm in his likeness and therefore you are no longer infant. What a contrast. So he moved towards that. And what is infirm in Christ? A couple of things. He said number one, infant in Christ freaky minded, wavering, unstable not grounded in the faith and being tossed back and flow by the wave and the wind of uh, doctrines. The next thing is, as well as the cunning craftiness scream of false teacher, basically is listening to false teacher who distort the truth. Paul has already warned the officious elders about this happening. In Acts chapter 20, 29 to 30, he says, in his farewell speech, he warned them to keep watch and guard against the false teacher and the teaching. He described these teachers as savage wolves. Next one is more frightening. Who rise from within your number. So my friend, what you hear from me, you better go look at it and check it out. Because I may be in the category that I may be preaching like savage wolf in your midst to distrust the truth in order to draw disciples away from them in first Timothy paul then says this false teacher profess to be teacher of the truth and they confirm confidently confirm what they teach is the truth but actually they do not know the truth and they don't know what they're talking about do we have any false teaching in this church Hello? Hello? Generally, it's quite easy to recognize, isn't it? False versus the true. There are very clear differentiation between what is being taught versus what the Bible says. So it's probably easily, generally, we can pick it up, right? If I were to say, hey, by the way, forget about faith. You really got to work hard. You got to work for your salvation. Is that a false teaching? It's a false teaching, right? You can see it. You know what is dangerous that we can't pick up? It's the soft distortion of the truth. There's a reason why Paul tells the Thessalonians, the Christian you build. You know what they do? Every time Paul preaches, they go back to search the scripture to make sure that what he said is based on it. And you should do the same. You should look at what I preach and see whether I'm saying the truth or am I giving you the distorted truth and the soft truth. Let me give you some example of distorted truth. Anybody can give me some example? Not bold enough to say? Okay, let me just try and stick my neck out. Our Lord is speaking the truth in love, right? It is the teaching around... Hey, by the way, you know, if you have faith in God, you'll be blessed. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and pretty. Man, if you believe in God, you have peace, you have joy. And it's most sailing all the way. Man, if you have faith in God and you serve him, God will give you your heart desire. Bigger car, bigger job, more wise. No, I mean. <laughs> your faith, depends on how your faith is. You can claim on the promises of God. You know, you claim it, God will do it. After all, Jesus says, you can ask for greater things, and you can do it. After all, if you have faith, you can move the mountain. Now, just imagine. Okay, all the statements are true to a certain extent, isn't it? You can listen to what goes after it, the context, and the application of it all. So, just throw that out for you to think about. The other thing about soft teaching. It is, in, four, in Colossians, actually, it's a good one. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, the false teachings are hollow and deceptive philosophy which depend on human tradition and the basic principle of this world rather than of Christ. It is a teaching based on what is the world trend today. It's a teaching on the thought pattern of the world. What is the world thinking about? It is a preaching based on world issue and how to deal with it, world peace, for example. It is based on the priority, the principle or value, rather than Christ-centered principle. There is this thing called Christ-centered everything. Have you heard of it? There's Christ-centered marriage, there's Christ-centered church, but in this particular case, it's Christ-centered preaching. This is the soft preaching that we need to be very aware about. After all this exposition, you're almost falling off to sleep, right? Then it comes to the main thing. Can you please look at 15 so they will wake up? 15, let me just read to wake you up. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is the head, that is Christ." After all these 45 minutes of talking, we come to the main theme of today, the speaking of love, speaking the truth in love. What does that all mean? Okay, let's talk about the purpose. The purpose is that same thing again. Growing into the fullness of Christ is the same thing as conforming to the image of Christ. So let's talk about what does it mean, speaking the truth in love. The Greek word here, by the way, that's what I found out. The Greek word here says, go beyond that of speaking. It talks about professing. It talks about holding on. It talks about following the truth. Mighty Lord Jones, this old guy, do you know him? If you only know this Mighty Lord Jones, you better know him. He's a fantastic teacher and a really God's word. Now, he says that he, he actually included the idea of walking in the truth. Walk the truth. Those of us who are in management and leadership, you know what's that, that, that lingo that's being swing around, right? It's what? Come on. Hey, young guys, I mean, old guys may not know, young guys. It's walk the talk, isn't it? Come on, everybody, walk the talk, walk the talk. It appeared that speaking the truth has two components. One is the communicating part of it, which comes in the expression of we're sharing the truth. We're teaching the truth in our conversation, in our small group, into our one-to-one. But it's a component of action. Speaking the truth means we walk the truth. I've got to give it a gap. I talk a lot. But a critical issue is do I walk the talk? and do I walk the truth. Can I just also propose that speaking the truth go a little bit beyond, you know, just the speaking, the professing, the proclaiming. Because the basis of the truth is the scripture, isn't it? It's the Bible. And what does the Bible use for? It's used for teaching, correcting, and in some instance, rebuking. And I think speaking the truth with one another will sometimes mean that we've got to correct. Correct what we believe. Correct in what we do. Correct some of the attitude that we have. And in some great instant, we need to rebuke. What's the difference between correct and rebuke? Correct is almost like, hey, next time don't do it, okay? If you do it, this will happen. You know why it's rebuke? Give them the smack. It's a firmer assertion of, I'm sorry, brother. You're going the wrong way. I'm sorry, brother. This is not the acceptable attitude of Christ. It really it demands courage and boldness, isn't it? In speaking the truth particularly in walking in it particularly in the situation where you got to correct and you got to rebuild each other so that we can be kept you know on the right line and lastly speaking the truth has to be done in love the motivation of you speaking the truth is not to put down other people so that you can boost your own ego, and more worse, to boost your self-righteousness, that you are in a better position than the other people. The main purpose of speaking the truth is that you want the person to grow. Encouragement is a very great thing. The God of the is supposed to encourage. In Hebrew, we say stir, encourage each other and stir each other into love. Are we doing it? Are we telling the truth in love? <sighs> Let me just, hey, have I, Marie, am I okay with time? She's my timekeeper. Oh, she's gone. She's, I'm okay, okay. Okay, so <laughs> then i give you a little quote on this. The pulpit commentary actually put it in a very good way. Telling the truth, speaking the truth in love. It says, good tidings spoken harshly are no good tidings. You know, some people can give the good news, but it never sounds like good news. Most of the time, it's parents to children and wife to husband. You've done a great job, but there's room for improvement. <laughs> By the way, I get it in my report card every year when I was in primary school. Second in the class, for heaven's sake, what else do you want? And done well, room for improvement. So you see, I in the end wasn't a a achiever. Okay, (laughs) now the other thing is this: the charm of the message is destroyed by the attitude or by the discordant spirit of the message. Oh, just just to summarize, basically the emphasis here is: it's the way that we tell the truth, and the attitude of us as a person telling the truth. These two components are important and it has to be done in love. Bringing the truth can bring pain, can hurt. Therefore, the process and the telling has to be done in love and with correct motivation. The end result of this, Paul says, you tell the truth and people will be able to grow into Christ. Now, let me just close. By the way, coming to the end, so let me just come by close this little, looking at this passage and throw you a couple of messages. You know, I, somehow people will always say, hey, tell me, tell me, what is the application, right? Tell me, tell me what is the application. I don't, because it's not my job to tell you and give you and phone speak you. I wouldn't think so, that's what it's meant to be. If I'm going to stir you up, then I throw you a question. You've got to ask and reflect yourself. I don't want you to walk away saying, I got it. I got an answer. No, that's not the answer. That's what the answer says in the Bible. There's an answer suitable for Ben. But what is it for you? What is your answer? So I'm going to throw out things which I always do, right? I throw out So basically, if you come to look for answer, you got the wrong guy. Because this guy throws you more questions. So you walk out of this room having more questions about, what does it mean about speaking the truth in love? If you do that, praise God. That's what actually is the purpose of this. First of all, walking in the... Paul calls to walk in the manner worthy. My friend... You've got to sit down and look at the little checklist that he talked about, about patience, forbearing, loving, humble. Look at the checklist. How are we doing that? You know something? It's a shame. Some of us may, when we check it against the way that we relate with our non-Christian, we've got a better score than when we do a checklist of how we relate to each other in church the next thing is growing and maturing in christ i've been a christian for 30 40 years what is my level of maturity in christ you know we never talk about this kind of thing do you How is it going, my friend? I'm reading the Bible, great. I'm praying, great. But are you growing in Christ? Let me give you some example of growing in Christ. Remember, growing in Christ is knowing more about Jesus. Every time we read the gospel and know about Jesus, do we have some new insight into it? or is it oh I know what happened he feed the 5,000 right great we can depend on him we can provide everything you know he walked on the water great all things are possible for God he's a great guy do we have any more insight into Jesus when we keep repeating and reading the same story that is a measure of we, whether we know Jesus better. There's a difference when I read a passage and I found new things that Jesus wanted to tell me. What I found new thing about Jesus. If I find a new uh, attitude about him, that to me is a beginning to know more about Jesus. How much do you know about Jesus up here? Secondly, How are we in terms of getting to be close with Jesus? Ma'am, you have problem even deciding how close you are with your children, with your wife, with your girlfriend. How do we know we are getting close to Jesus? One day I can tell you, they can tell me I'm close to Jesus. If I can start looking at the people and feel that they are sheep without a shepherd. If I look at somebody in need, and know how Jesus will feel about them, and that feeling moves me to do something, I'm telling you, 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 are, in, you are beginning to feel more like Jesus. You know i keep saying you hear me say many times in different way we don't need to appeal to you to come to serve and teach the sunday school garbage you know when you start looking at this i i from the beam look at the church and i say where are we in terms of our spiritual level you know i'm very critical you know it hundred percent of the church 20 percent are working and serving the lord well acceptable you know why in the world there is this theory called 80 20 percent hey you're doing very well we got 25 percent we got 30 percent. by the way we are better 30 percent you know it hurts me because it tells me we haven't reached the stage where we know jesus and we know how jesus feel Roses to Jesus that we will do something. You know, we are asking people to come forward to be elders. My friend, I'm sitting on this eldership for almost a third term. People are not coming forward. Why? I don't know. You answer. Do we really know Jesus in that level? Speaking the truth in love, is there a conscious way and an intentional way that we do speak the truth with each other? Okay, just, let's, let me just throw this to you. and uh, I think we, we need to talk about, as a church, as individuals, we need to look at ourselves in terms of, we need to talk about, our growing in Christ, our, our maturing in Christ. You know, we never talk about this thing anymore. You know, in the days when I was growing up as a Christian, you can ask Brian and some of the other older Christians, there is this thing called discipleship. Man, we were drill in it. You know what is discipleship? Following Jesus? You know what is following Jesus? It's to be more and more like him. Conforming to the image in the fullness of, measure the fullness of him. And I think we don't talk that much, isn't it? We talk all kind of funny terms and terms, but we never come to the blood of things. So I challenge you, okay? When you next time talk to somebody, ask that person and say, hey, my friend, are you growing, you know, to know the Lord Jesus? Are you feeling close to him? And how are you on this measurement of spiritual maturity, maturity in Christ? Are you like an infant, or you are growing? How many of you have watched the movie A Few Good Men? Come on, nobody watched movie A Few Good Men. There is one, one thing that stick in my mind. You remember John nickerson he challenged our dear friend who? Tom Cruise. Can you handle the truth? Tom Cruise found the truth. The challenge was, can he handle it? We found the truth. How do we handle the truth? Hopefully, at the end of this day, when you walked up to speak the truth in action, in word, and in love, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, just thank you for opening our eyes to look at your word today. Thank you for helping us to look within ourselves, within within around the church, or to just see how we measure up to. To what you expect of us, Lord, that we will be walking worthy in the manner that is worthy of your calling to us, to be your people, to be separated, to tell you, to know Jesus and to tell Jesus and make Jesus known. And then I just pray that you will help us to look at ourselves in terms of how are we, Lord, in our belief in you, how are we, Lord, in knowing you as our Lord, your character, your will, your work, your word, and your second coming, and what you want us to do. Lord, help us to, to want to get to go closer to you so that, Lord, we can, we can relate to how you feel. That would become the prime motivation, Lord, for us, serving others and reaching others for you. Heavenly Father, help us to look at ourselves and see, are we growing into the fullness and in full conformity of to Jesus? Lord, we have failed in any way. Just pray that, Lord, you forgive us. Just pray that, Lord, each one of us will, yeah, your spirit will stir us, Lord, as we leave this place. That we will continue to be stirred and be challenged by you to speak the truth, to uphold the truth, and to live the truth in our lives. In your own precious name we pray.